hope, the virtue our age lacks most. In what do you hope? No one should deceive himself. Where your heart is, your desire, that is where you place your hope. Given the vast crisis in the world and church today, everyone needs to be praying for an increase in the supernatural virtue of hope. Did you realize that to fail in hope is an offense against God? And that hope comes with a sense of purpose in the spiritual life? All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty in this 33rd episode of Our Lady's Shock Troops. Praise be Jesus and Mary and David Rodriguez, content director for the Fatima Center, joined once again by Kevin Rorty of Soka, Souls of the Christian Apostolate. Kevin, thank you for joining me yet again. Great to be here, David. Thanks. So last time we talked about the supernatural virtue of faith. This time we'll be talking about the supernatural virtue of hope. Figure we can dive right in if you'll lead us with the act of hope since we did the act of faith last time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Lord God, I hope by your grace for the pardon of all my sins and afterlife here to gain eternal happiness because you have promised it for infinitely powerful, faithful, kind, and merciful. In this hope, I intend to live and die. Amen. And the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. So, again, same comment I made last time just to remind everyone. Very important to pray the act of hope, I would say, every day. For example, as part of your morning prayers. Here, I'm just parroting Father Rodriguez, who always tells us that. It's good, therefore, also to memorize an act of hope. There is no, as far as I know, there's no real, like, specific act of hope. There, there are various acts of hope you could pray. So memorize one. In fact, the one you just prayed, Kevin, is what I'm slightly not familiar with, what I've memorized, a little different. But they still convey the same basic concept. In fact, again, one time when Father Rodriguez wanted to do a sermon on hope, he started out by saying, you all know your act of hope, and you got to memorize. And so there are these three things that we're always hopeful for. When we talk about the supernatural virtue of hope, we're not talking about the way people normally use the word hope. But he said, you know, you hope for the forgiveness of your sins. Believe that God will have his mercy on you and forgive your sins. That will give you the grace to accomplish what you need to accomplish. I think you your same life. So I'm hoping and I know and I trust that God's going to give you the grace I need and that you hope for eternal life. Knowing that on your own, there's nothing we humans can do to get to heaven. It's impossible for us. We completely rely on God, God's good grace. So we hope in that, that he will keep us from hell and sin, that he'll give us the grace to do well now and merit, offer reparation, and that he'll give us the graces we need to get to heaven. I mean, that's the essence of hope. People will say it's a theological virtue, like we said, by which we desire the kingdom of heaven. We desire eternal life as our happiness. We place our trust in Christ's promises. Relying, of course, not in our own strength, but in the help of the Holy Ghost so that we'll avoid sin, do what we need to do and get to heaven. So that's a brief little introduction to the virtue of hope. I guess the last thing I'll mention, just as you pray your act of hope, also when you pray the mysteries of the rosary, hopefully you make a special intention for various virtues. St. Louis de Montfort gives us, for example, different virtues we can pray for. Failed to mention this last time, but when you pray the mystery of the resurrection, the first glorious mystery, St. Louis de Montfort says it's utterly appropriate there to pray for the virtue of faith. And then when we pray the second glorious mystery, the ascension of our Lord into heaven, and the apostles are gazing up to heaven, and our Lord's going up, and the angels are coming down, and, and your gaze is fixed on heaven. That kind of being the key, I think. He says, pray for hope. 
So hopefully every time you're praying the second glorious mystery, at least somewhere in the meditation as you pray the mystery, you will ask God to increase your hope. Ask the Holy Ghost to strengthen your hope. All right, Kevin. Yes, sir. That's my intro. All right. Let's dive into the heroic virtue questionnaire for hope. Do I firmly hope for salvation from the merits of Christ our Lord? Do I despise the things of the world? And how do I show my contempt? In tough circumstances, do I place my trust in God alone and have recourse to prayer? Do I show my hope in God by prayerful exclamations? Do I raise up others to confidence in God? Do I show a desire by word and work to suffer for eternal life? Do I rejoice that the new life is the beginning of true life? With what confidence do I practice good works? In adversity, am I resigned to believe the goodness of God's design? Do I direct my desires and all my actions to God as my last end? Do I bear cheerfully adversity and persecution? Do I desire with St. Paul to be minimized so that Christ can be maximized? Do I bear suffering with a joyous spirit? Well, I think that this virtue, especially for those who are aware of the problems our world faces right now and the church faces, really need this virtue. Not only because of the macro problems, but because of the micro problems we face amidst all of that to overcome temptations and to overcome confusion that we have. Often that may manifest itself in certain forms of scrupulosity. And this virtue of hope shows that we can have a healthy humility that isn't false humility, that is bad for our spiritual and mental health. St. Teresa talks about this false humility, it's really bad, but is true humility in that we recognize on our own, we don't have strength, you know, we will fail. But my hope is not in myself. My hope is in God, my Father. That's what this act of hope shows in all these questions show that our hope is in God, that he will somehow bring us out of this mess. He will bring us to be forgiven of our sins. But not only that, you know, if you're drowning in nihilism, and you're drowning in boredom, and you're drowning in attachments, he will bring you out of that to happiness, to true, unbelievable, ecstatic bliss and fulfillment forever, forever in heaven with him. Do we really hope for that? Like, I'm convicted that that's where I'm going, despite my own failings in the past, present, or in the future, that God is going to bring through all of this. And if we don't hope enough, St. Alphonsus says that, That is an offense to God. We don't believe enough in his love and his mercy and his goodness. Then that's an offense to him. He wants us to be ultimately confident in him. As long as we come with the proper intentions of being reverent, being in the state of grace and all that, he wants us to be uber confident in him. So that's sort of my introduction. Oh, well, there's a lot you said there that I could respond to. But I think maybe the biggest point that I'll say right now is that I have heard a number of good talks by priests, Father Collins, Father Rippiger, and others, and I think they're very correct when they say that right now, as they sort of look across the landscape of the Catholic faith and even maybe the world at large, it seems like this lack of hope is what we're suffering from the most, almost like the biggest sin right now of our particular time, you know, here 2023, is this lack of hope. And a lot of world events have sort of pushed us towards that, but certainly a big weapon 
that the devil is using against us is sadness and despair and disillusionment and a loss of hope, real loss of hope. So if you're going around and you feel like there's a black cloud hanging over you and there's no hope and you're sad and you might not even know why sometimes, that could be what I would say is I think just the devil oppressing us in many different ways. A lot of times the channels of grace are lacking. You know, he's going to attack you that way. And so hope is a great way to fight him and to resist. We need to pray for that. And hopefully there are different things that can give you hope. I mean, one of the places where I came up with this wonderful talk was there was a, a young couple that was getting married. And so that was part of what the priest preached on. He said, I look out at you and it's great and it fills me with hope because I know the two of you are filled with hope. You're getting married and you want to have children and you want to bring these babies into the world despite the fact that others are saying it's such a dark place right now and it's so difficult. But the fact that you are shows you've got this hope. Right? You've got this hope for your child and future children to get them to heaven. You see that in love. You know, this young couple that's in love, a very enamorous love, not the love that comes from, from years after marriage. But that helps. And I was even talking to one of my nephews recently, and he just had a baby. And that was one of the first things he said. He just said, you know, every time I look at my little daughter now, I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with hope in the world. So we do have to find things like that, like God's grace, the light that he gives. Obviously, every child is a light that God gives, showing God still has hope, right? God still has hope in mankind because he's allowing these children to be born. He wants them to get to heaven. So if God still has hope, I better have hope, too. I do think that's a, that's a real important principle, and we have to work at it. If you think you don't have hope, you realize the devil's attacking you. That's one big point, I think, just how much we do need hope. Yeah, the devil can trick us into to thinking that that's not what God wants or that's presumptuous, you know. And there's a lot of presumption in the opposite direction today, for sure. But if you're if you sound Catholic and you're trying to do the right thing, you need to really believe that God wants you to just be very, very confident and trusting. And he wants you to be familiar with him. And if you don't believe me, listen to God himself. Now, this is Jesus Christ in Matthew 6. Lay not up yourselves treasures on earth where the rust and moth consume and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up to yourselves treasures in heaven where neither the rust nor moth doth consume and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So he's saying you have to say your hope is in God, your hope is in his mercy, your hope is in forgiveness and in his fulfillment. That that's where you might not be able to get great happiness in this life. But your true joy, your true fulfillment is really going to be found in him. Don't let that die out, that childlike desire for ultimate fulfillment. Don't let that go away. Don't put it in things of this world that are going to consume it, our Lord says. He goes on, for where thy treasure is, there is thy heart also. The light of thy body is thy eye. If thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be lightsome. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be darksome. If then the light that is in thee be darkness, the darkness itself, how great shall it be? No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will sustain the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, be not solicitous for your life, what you shall eat, nor for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat and the body more than the raiment? So he's saying if you're just worried about a bunch of things in this life, you're not going to be able to hope for eternal things. It's just going to be a barrel flicker and it's almost... That's going to be blown away like that. You have to say, you know what? God is going to take care of me. Because he goes on to say, this is the God of the universe speaking to us. Behold, 
the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not you much more value than they? And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his stature by one cubit? And for raiment, why are you solicitous? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They labor not, neither do they spin. But I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed as one of these. And if the field of the grass, which is today and tomorrow, is cast into the oven, God doth so clothe. How much more you, O ye of little faith? Be not solicitous, therefore, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the heathen seek. For your father knoweth that you have needed all these things. Seek ye therefore first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be not therefore solicitous for tomorrow, for the morrow will be solicitous for itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. It's the Sermon of the Mount, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. This shows what it really means to believe in God not only he's all powerful and he said these are truths to believe in, but to believe he is our father who is all providential, who gives us all the graces we need in the present moment and who has given us mercy over abundantly for anything in the past. If we come to him, that's what faith looks like. That's what hope looks like in particular in this case. And, and we have to believe he's the one who said this. He wants us to have such great confidence in him, but that means we have to shed the hope in things of the world. You can't be tied in both. You're just going to be anxious and stressed and full of a whole bunch of bad spirits. Yeah, no, I'm really uh, very touched and grateful that you picked that particular passage from St. Matthew because it's it's very significant in my own life. I went through some of my own tough times in college, as I think many people do, and really had to sort of reorient my life and really kind of configure what I was doing by values. And it was that passage in particular that got me through a lot. It always, every time I hear it, kind of taken back to those days when I had to sort of reevaluate my life and just that image of how God cares so much about the little birds. He's going to take care of them and cares about the grass. He's going to take care of it. Like, don't you think he loves you more? Yeah. That really touches my heart. Even recently, I mean, I've got my own take on this and everybody might have their own take. You've got a lot of people talking about, you know, living off the grid and how you have to, you know, create a bunker and store things. And what are you going to do when everything hits? And, you know, I, I was worried about that, too. I was thinking, you know, do I got to go out and dig wells and get solar power and all these things. And one priest, I thought, put it very well because he said, look, if God, if it's your time and God's going to call you, it doesn't matter how much you prepare or how many bunkers you have. It's your time. And if God wants you to survive whatever happens, whether it be a nuclear holocaust, the three days of darkness, terrible things, whatever it is. Because if God wants you to survive it, God's going to have you survive it. You know, if he needs you around to maybe help baptize people and reproclaim the gospel and teach people about Our Lady of Fatima, then he's going to have you survive, right? He had the Israelites in the wilderness and rained down manna from heaven. When well, you don't think he could do that again? Of course he yeah. can. If he wants you to have food, there's the, you know, the widow with the little bit of flour that never ran out in the midst of the drought again and again. So uh, that's hope. And I do firmly believe that now. I'm like, you know, there is prudence and there is a balance and you do want to be well prepared if you can, but you can't take it to excess and you can't get too caught up in that. And ultimately put your hope in God. God's in charge of all things. And that's real hope. And again, if he cares about the birds and cares about the field, the lilies of the field, he loves you so much more. He's going to take care of you. Like we really forget about that. That shows how yeah. weak our hope is. 
It's like, do we not think God's all powerful? He loves, he's going to take care of us. What is for our good? He's going to do. We got to trust him, put our hope in him. Yeah. And I think St. Therese of Lisieux is such an important saint for our times for this reason, because, because she had this proper healthy humility. She said, I'm just a child. I'm not even going to be surprised when I fall. Like, who am I? You know, but I know God, I know God is my father, the gift of piety that allows us to see from that, that lens, not only the creator of the universe, but he is my father. We, we were taught to say our father by God himself, by Jesus Christ is intentionally telling us to look at God in that way as our father. And when we look at this act of hope, oh Lord God, I hope by your grace for the pardon of all my sins and afterlife here to gain eternal happiness because you have promised it. He's promised it. He's told us. So, th- But this is like you were saying, David, what do we believe about him? Do we believe he's infinitely powerful? Do we believe he's infinitely faithful? Do we believe he's infinitely kind? Do we believe he's infinitely merciful? If we believe those things, it changes everything. And we should say, I, I will go to the ends of the earth, whatever I have to do to show my hope in him. You know, I, I'm willing to stake everything on him. And that's heroic virtue. And that's what childlike hope is, because you see your father is all powerful. Of course he can do it. Honestly, that's what this is why I absolutely love working at the Fado Center. Because I see the message of Fatima that Our Lady brought us is so filled with hope. Right? That's actually yeah. one of the reasons the theologians will teach us, the church fathers will teach uh, Thomas Aquinas, that God gives us prophecy to strengthen our hope and to build up our hope. And to me, that's so interesting because there's this famous line, if you're familiar with, I don't know if all our viewers are, but it was a time when John the 23rd, referring to Jacinta, Francisco, and Lucia, although the other two were already dead, Lucia primarily message of Fatima, he called them like prophets of doom. It's at the time of the Vatican Council, and he says, yeah, we don't want to be like these prophets of doom that are always talking about doom things. We want to be hope-filled. And I thought it was so interesting now that I read that in retrospect, because, you know, the devil will twist everything around. And what is really hope isn't hope. And, you know, the message of Fatima that people were calling like doom, it's, it's not doom, it's actually great hope. Because, again, these promises we have that God gives us, I mean, in the end, the Immaculate Heart will triumph. We're going to have a glorious restoration, right? There's going to be a period of world peace. That's like massive hope, and I know with certitude that that's going to happen. So, yeah, there might be some dark paths, but even when the dark paths come, the fact that we have this message is so good because I know God's got it all under control, right? It's not going to surprise me because God's already foretold it. He's given us a prophecy. So it's a great, great message of hope. We just have to trust and believe. And I think so often what happens, and I think that's what was happening at that time. You know, I, I don't know John the 23rd's mind, of course, Pope John the 23rd's mind. But I think there was a lot of trust in the world, in the ways of the world, which you just mentioned a little while ago. So I kind of grabbed onto that. In the ways of men, in our own designs, right? That's what people a lot of times hope for. Their 401k, the plans they've got for retirement, yeah. whatever plans, like these man-made plans, these human plans, our designs. Again, the spirit of the world hope. And now so it was fueling, I think, a lot of things, certainly in the church in the 60s and since then, even I think sometimes when people talk about this springtime in the church, they've got this man-centered view of hope. And I'm like, no, no, that's not hope at all. That's just going to deceive you because that's not going to bear any fruit. You've got to put your trust in God, in Our Lady, her message, in God's ways. And that's where, that's where the real hope is. But we often don't do that. We often slip the other way. You know, even like people trying to achieve world peace, 
with ecumenism, with dialogue with other religions, not condemning communism, all these different things that they were doing because they were hoping for this world peace. It was always by man's designs, instead of just doing what Our Lady said and obeying Our Lady, consecrating Russia, the RCSOS we keep talking about, Roman Catholic SOS, praying your rosary, put your hope there, consecrating yourself to Our Lady, wearing your brown scapular, offering prayer and penance, and the first Saturday. I mean, put your hope in that because that is what's really going to happen. And, and that's why God gives us prophecy, and it should fill us with hope. I mean, to read the scriptures, Father Maudsley's books are great if you haven't got them. Adam's Deep Sleep is the first one on the crucifixion. She crushes Satan's head is the second one. But it's all about hope because you see all these prophecies like God's got it all figured out. From even in the Old Testament, he's already got it figured out. So we have every reason to hope. And that's what reading the scriptures should do for us. That's what the message of Fatima should do for us. It should make us a people filled with hope, excited to get out there day after day and gain merit because we know that we're on the side that wins. When you think like men, you lose hope and you say, well, there's no way out. Yeah. And and that's when the devil gets you right back to that sadness and despair. So if you're thinking in the ways of men, then, yeah, I can see why you don't have any hope. Because if you can only think in the ways of men, there is no hope. But when you think with God... There is all the hope. With God, all things are possible. Yep. And I think you, one of the things you're touching on is what is it, again, what are you hoping for? What is your desire? Do you desire things of this world? Do you desire just human peace? You know, there's a lot of people who think of heaven as just like a place where everyone's just nice. It's not, it's, it's eternal ecstasy with God, like eternal beatitude. I mean, it's, so far beyond any human happiness you could possibly conceive of. It's divine happiness. That's what heaven is. And so that's why our Lord says, for where thy treasure is, there is thy heart also. So many people I'll meet that are oriented toward their career, toward making a lot of money, toward popularity. These are their ends. This is what they make their goal of finality. You know, and then others are just like, well, live a comfortable life. And yeah, yeah, maybe you have a child or two and maybe I'll have a couple divorces as long as I'm happy, you know, and it's like, you're going to die. This life ends. Our Lord says, lay not up your treasures on earth where the rust and the moth consume and where thieves break through and steal. All of this is going to, it's, it's going to go poof. Your life is so short and there's eternity. Our treasure is in building up that merit forever in heaven. The saints were the wisest of all, confounding human wisdom, because they stored up supernatural treasure. That's merit. And it's not just like, well, you're either in heaven or you're not in heaven, and and that's it. It's like there are many different mansions in heaven. And there's many different levels of holiness. And in growing in this life and capacity to love God allows you to experience him more in heaven. And once you die, there's no more expanding that. It's done. So our hope is I'm going to have greater and greater happiness in heaven, and it's manifested by orienting my life in such a way that is meritorious, that he'll give me the grace, and everything that I do matters. People don't have this meaning in life. Hope gives you a sense of, wow, I have a mission to accomplish with the supernatural virtue of faith we talked about in the last episode, with I believe souls are at stake, my soul's at stake, and now I have hope in God as my Father. He's going to give us all the means we need to be eternally happy and to save our souls from hell and to have our sins forgiven. And and I have a mission right now to accomplish this. So hope will be manifest oftentimes. And do you live with a sense that there is a sense of purpose to what you're doing? You know? Yeah, that sense of purpose and that God loves you. I mean, I'll, my concluding comment on a very practical level, I had a fascinating conversation with a very dear friend 
And it's made me, it's a paradigm shift for me. I'm rethinking a lot of stuff because as we were talking, I made the statement. I was like, you know, out of all the people I know, like, I think God loves you the most, or at least God manifests love you most. There's no one I know that I think God loves more than you. And I think if you tell that to someone, well, they may not like it because they don't want to be singled out in this way or told that they're so privileged. And that's why God is doing all these amazing, undeserved things in their life. But they gave me a great answer. He said, you know, it, it's not really that God loves me more. It's that there are all these little things that God does, and I recognize them as God doing them. And then yeah. I go and talk about them. Like I'm talking to you about them, David. My friend said, God's doing this in everyone's life. It's just that people don't open their eyes and see it. Totally. Like they don't have hope, and they don't have faith. I mean, faith and hope, you're working together. But when you have faith and you have hope, then in even small details in your life, you know, I think, Kevin, you were just talking about the big picture and keeping your focus on heaven and moving there. But the way that translates into like the day and day nitty gritty of your life yeah. is if you go through life always seeing, well, God just did this for me. God just did that for me. And then you share that with other people. I mean, this person was making connections with dates. So like, you know, this date, this happened, but connected to this date. And I was like, whoa. And they're like, and then God did this or then. You know, even little things like they miss an accident on the road or they were late. And because of that, they miss an accident. They're like, but God was there and on and on and on. Like you talk to this person and they're always seeing how God is present in their life and guiding. And so then you think, well, yeah, God loves you a lot. But it's it's a, they're just thinking with hope and with faith. It really right. impacted me when my friend said, God loves everyone like that. It's just that not everyone is paying attention. And then taking it one step further, when you don't pay attention to those graces that God gives you, then, yeah, God might stop giving you those graces because we're ungrateful and we don't deserve more graces. Whereas when you respond to God and you're aware of them and you thank him for it and you praise him for it and you tell others about it to glorify him, he gives you more. It's like the one with the talents. He got five talents and he did it right. And so he got that many more talents. And the guy who got one talent just went and dug it in the ground. It's like God's like, no more talents for you. It's over. So God responds with generosity because the person's aware of it. So I just encourage every person. I mean, God loves you so much. You, we have to open our eyes and see with hope in every little detail all over the place that God's there and he's working and it's because he loves us. And that's hope uh, and faith. I mean, they're both. They're working together. So and charity, which we can talk about next time. Uh, yeah. It's not like you're going to separate these virtues. But that really impacted me because then immediately I started thinking, oh, then I've been maybe a little ungrateful. I've got to see more how God's working in my life. I need to open up those eyes of hope. Pray to the Holy Ghost, ask him for greater hope so that I can see God in my life and respond appropriately. And that's what I encourage all of us to do. Yeah. Matt, my concluded thought is I think thinking about this in terms of it strengthens your soul, allows your soul to breathe when you're not hopeful, when you're not desiring the heavenly things and when you're not hopeful God's going to provide that. When you're not seeing how he's doing that in your day to day, you start to shrivel up more and more. And that's where anxieties come in and attachments and worry and all that and it really is a virtue you know this is growing in holiness to hope more and more in god sounds great let's go ahead and close with the prayer that the angel taught the children at fatima and the father and of the son of the holy ghost amen my god i believe i adore i hope and i love thee and i ask pardon of thee for all those who do not believe do not adore do not hope and do not love thee our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Greatly appreciate you walking us through these virtues. Thanks, David. God bless everyone. God bless. Hope.
Our Lady's Shock Troops is brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. The message of Fatima is the solution for our time. Only she can help us now. It is urgent that we live according to Our Lady's message and share it with everyone we know. For more resources and to support this vital apostolate with your donation, visit our website, Fatima.org or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the glory of God and salvation of souls. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us.